Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the RR Show. Happy Monday. Hope you're all set to have a great bloody week. Today we're jumping into a good oldie, a little bit of r slash pro revenge. So grab your tea, grab your popcorn, let's jump in with our first story from you slash Brant Sanon. My boss stole my Super Bowl tickets, so I made him lose a major client. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With the NFL playoffs back on, I thought you all might enjoy this football-related revenge story. I'm a huge 49ers fan, the rabid all-day tailgate in the parking lot type. A few years ago, we made it back to the Super Bowl. I was working at a consulting firm with a handful of accounts I could interact with directly. One client in particular knew how big of a Niners fan I was. I was the day-to-day lead on his account. He really liked working with me and we became friends, often grabbing drinks or dinner after our meetings. He had access to a pair of extra company seats to the game, and as a thank you, wanted to give them to me as a gift. He passed the tickets over to the partner on that account, who I will refer to as Dickhead Partner, to be given to me as a surprise. The game came and went. We lost, it sucked. The next time we met, we went for drinks afterwards and he mentioned, Hey, by the way, why didn't you go to the game? I heard someone else was in your seats. I was like, uh, what game? He said, the Super Bowl? Confused, I answered, I didn't have seats to the Super Bowl. He told me that he gave Dickhead Partner a pair of his company tickets for me as a gift so I could attend. I had zero idea what he was talking about. He looked shocked, told me to quietly ask around about it and get back to him. When I was back in the office the next week, I found out through one of the secretaries that Dickhead Partner had given a pair of Super Bowl tickets to another one of his clients as a gift from our company. I might have let this sort of thing go to keep the peace under different circumstances, but these were seats on the 30-yard line to see the fucking 49ers play in the Super Bowl. I was pissed. I considered confronting Dickhead Partner myself, but realized it was the client who had noticed I wasn't there in the first place, so I let him handle it there would be no blowback on me. So I texted him, hey, just wanted to thank you so much for thinking of me with those seats. It appears they were given to another one of our firm's clients. He texts back right away in all caps, are you shitting me? And then, pretend I never told you, let me handle it. He followed up with me about formulating a plan. A few days later, we were asked to come down for a meeting in their office. The client requested the partner be present. Not entirely unusual. So Dickhead Partner and I hopped on a flight the next week and headed over to their office. 
Little did dickhead partner know, my client had orchestrated a wonderfully awkward little show to catch him red-handed. When we entered the conference room, it was the usual suspects along with a woman in her 30s we didn't recognize. My client immediately introduces dickhead partner. This is Stephanie such and such, VP from another department. She wants to sit in on this meeting. Hey, OP, you guys must already know each other from the Super Bowl. She then responds as she goes to shake my hand. Oh, I don't think so. Did we meet there? I'm sorry, I forgot. Client responds, Geez, Steph, how much did you have to drink? They were sitting right next to you. Client looks at me, and I say, Oh, sorry, I wasn't there. Are you thinking of someone else? At this point, dickhead partner is looking visibly uncomfortable, probably trying to come up with an excuse. He starts with an, um, when Stephanie says over him, No, so-and-so from other company. We're in the other seats. By the way, I was wondering why we gave company seats to those guys. Is there a project we're working on with them that I don't know about? Obviously not. They were in a complete different industry. It'd be like Coca-Cola partnering with John Deere. Dickhead partner lets out an, uh, again, and the client immediately speaks over him asking, Dickhead partner, I gave you those tickets for OP. At this point, dickhead partner is turning bright red. He responds, Oh, um, well, uh, he wasn't able to make it, so he must have given the seats away to someone else. And turns to me, looking for me to cover for him. Client smirks at me. I respond, Uh, what are you talking about, client? You gave me tickets to the Super Bowl? Client suddenly raises his voice. Dickhead partner, those tickets were a personal thank you gift from me to OP. Did you give them away to someone else? Was it another client? Dickhead partner butts in with, Oh, um, maybe something got mixed up at the office. Client went quiet for what probably seemed like an eternity to dickhead partner. He then looked down, grabbed his portfolio and iPad, put them into his briefcase and said, I think this meeting's over. OP, it seems as if I owe you a thank you gift. Let's go to lunch. Stephanie, you're welcome to join. Dickhead partner, I need to evaluate our relationship. Please go back home and expect to hear from us next week. Dickhead partner suggests he'd like to join, presumably to do damage control. And Stephanie sternly tells him, I don't think that's a good idea, and asks the front desk to see dickhead partner out. As soon as he's in the elevator, we all break out laughing hysterically. Stephanie wasn't really a VP, just an employee at the company who client had drafted into helping his pre-planned meeting skit. But she did end up coming to lunch with us and was a fellow Niners fan and total blast to hang out with. On the way to the restaurant, I got a desperate text from dickhead partner saying I needed to cover for the firm and that we could discuss things when I got back. I replied, yes, we need to talk, but I'll see what I can do. Client told me to wait a couple of hours and then respond to him. One, to expect invoices for the resale value of the Super Bowl tickets. Resale is way above face value. It was over 10k as well as our lunch. He picked a pricey spot and made a big show of overspending, and that he expected them to be paid immediately. Two, expected I be given a direct apology. Three, expected a written apology to his company for what he considered theft. And four, he will only interact with me or another one of our firm's partners, never with dickhead partner again. This whole thing caused a stir with the other partners, and I actually came off looking great because it appeared that I had made a good faith effort to save the client for the firm, despite being the victim in this situation. 
The client would transfer to another partner, which meant dickhead partner lost his profit share on any work with them. Oh, and the other partners in the firm made dickhead partner pay the invoices back out of his salary. In retrospect, I really have no idea what the hell the guy was thinking. Did he seriously believe the client would just not notice me not thanking him for Super Bowl tickets? Anyway, the whale was kind of poisoned for me there long term because dickhead partner wasn't going anywhere. I left the firm a few months later for a much better position. Client ultimately terminated their relationship with that firm a year later. He actually now works with a good friend of mine at a competing firm. I'm still pissed I missed out on the Super Bowl even though we lost. Hoping we make it back this year so I can finally go to one in person. Go Niners. Next up is one from Eric Smith 98105. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Young firefighter disrespects a lieutenant, so I shame him and get him to quit. I'm not sure if this is pro or not, but I got revenge on a douchebag I used to volunteer firefight with. This was in the early to mid-2000s. I decided to go to the local fire department as a volunteer firefighter. I did it for about five years, and it was great. Training consisted of three months of fire training, two nights a week and all day Saturday, and then you would go to EMT training, another three months of training. I was about a year and I was asked to help train some new recruits. One of the lieutenants, Amy, was a short, middle-aged woman who was so full of fire she could make a grown man cry. One of those people who commands both fear and respect wherever she went. Honestly, a great lieutenant and a great person. When she wasn't being a drill sergeant, she was extremely kind and generous. She would often bake people cakes and treats and deliver them to the various stations in our department. However, in this new academy class that I was asked to help with, there was a cocky kid that we will call Aaron. Aaron talked big during the training and acted like he was the all-American hero, like he was going to be the lead badass in Backdraft 2. He performed moderately well in training but far from the top of his class. He gets assigned to Amy Station, which is a pretty quiet station in the department. A few months after he starts, Amy swings by my station one night to say hi. She brings us the motherload cake from Claim Jump, a massive six-layer cake. She explained that she treated her crew to a night out to Claim Jumper, which must have cost a lot of money. I think she took out about eight people and brought a whole cake to top it all off. They'd eaten the first two layers so she gave us the remaining four. We thanked her profusely, and then she left. Back then, the big social media platform was MySpace, and I decided to look up some of the people in the department to make friends. I came across Aaron's page, and I noticed some photos of him and the rest of his crew at Claim Jumper with Amy. However, when I read the comments, he bragged about how he had purposefully ordered the most expensive dinner, appetizers, and drinks since Amy was buying. 
he bragged about how he was going to take advantage of her stupidity. This alone pissed me off, because what she was doing was super nice and generous. What an ungrateful, selfish dick. Then I read the rest of his profile. He had videos and memes on his page glorifying himself as a badass firefighter, bragging about running into burning buildings and how he was such a hero. He was flirting with girls, blatantly trying to impress them with how brave he is. Bear in mind he just graduated academy three months prior and hadn't even gone to EMT school. He had never even been to a house fire and all he did was basically carry gear for the other fully qualified firefighters. It was too much for me to tolerate. So here is the revenge. I printed off copies of his MySpace page, including his comments about Amy and toxic bragging. I made multiple copies and took them to every station in the department. We all had pages, god I'm old, and a small keyboard at each station to send out text messages. I made an anonymous all-staff page to everyone in the department. I had to keep it brief since I couldn't fit a ton of characters, but I sent out his MySpace information and told everyone about how he treated Amy. Within an hour, Aaron had cleared out his MySpace page of all posts, photos, etc. A couple of days later, he deleted his account. It's a good thing I made so many copies. Immediately after this happened, he stopped coming to volunteer, and a few weeks later, I heard that he'd quit. I later talked to Amy and admitted I was the one who sent the page. I told her I hated how he treated her, and she thanked me. She seemed really sad and hurt by what he'd done. But being the tough short lady that she was, she quickly got back into being an actual badass firefighter. She later started dating and married a fire chief that also helped at the academy. I've lost touch with her, but I hope she did well. She seemed pretty happy last time I saw her. The next story I've got from you is from Captain Bow Bow. Park your car in a danger zone. Well, good luck to find it back. This is the story of Mike. Mike managed the warehouse of a hospital. Said hospital was built in the 50s in the center of the town. The stadium's on one side, the Justice Hall in another, and the school's on the third side. There's also a caserne and two other medical buildings around, so the streets are crowded with cars searching for parking. One day when opening the gate of the landing dock, Mike noticed a little car parked in the hospital internal court, near the 2,000-litre liquid oxygen tank. Of course, it's absolutely forbidden because 1. This is private property 2. The court was planned well before 35-ton trucks were the norm and manoeuvring is already difficult and 3. Liquid oxygen is explosive A car or a truck hitting the tank would be a major hazard It was a small Italian car No advertisement, but it was the kind commonly used as a second car or to travel in the Dolomite Mountains where the roads are very narrow. So Mike makes some calls. The car is not owned by someone of the warehouse or nursing staff. No doctors have such a small car. The reception made public announcements asking visitors to move the badly parked car, but to no avail. By 1800, the car is gone. Alright, cool. Problem solved. The day after... Ah, the car is there again. Same car, same results. Mike called the police, but the police can't tow it because it's in a private place. A towing company won't do it without a police query. By chance, that day, only lorries came to unload medical materials. 
When it's time to close the warehouse, the car's gone once more. On the third day, when the landing docks open, the car is already there. And this time, it's causing a real problem. A 35-ton truck from Germany is coming in today. There is no way it can reach the dock without hitting the car and or the liquid oxygen tank. It has become a clear and present problem for security. All the warehouse team exchanged ideas on what to do, but all feasible solutions have already been tried. About this time, a forklift drove past, and it struck everyone at the same time. There's no way that that little Italian car could weigh more than a ton of plaster. So Mike goes to see the forklift driver while the team searches for a wooden pallet. Slowly, with many precautions, the forklift slides the pallet under the car, lifts the whole car, and then drops it off at a nearby street. In the first 10 minutes, the police warned that the car is parked in the middle of the street and blocking traffic. Said car is towed away in less than half an hour. The truck had no problem maneuvering. Two days later, rumors ran the hospital. It was the car of the director's wife. She worked in a medical building some streets away. While everyone found that Mike made a good move, they wait to see what will follow. It's now a global problem for management. So Mike's now called in by the directors. As soon as he passed the door, he starts to explain, Yep, I know it was your wife's car, but... The director went, What? No? I called you for an entirely other matter. I warned my wife several times, that cunt had it coming. Until the hospital closed 20 years later, the story's been repeated to each new worker and each new medical student. Put your car on a tree if you want, but don't park it in the landing dock, because Mike will make it disappear. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as always, and as always, I can't wait to see you in the next one. Until then, guys, take care, peace out, see you soon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. 
Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.